This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome on into a Monday edition on a Tuesday of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. The only podcast gets you Bronx bombed on a weekday afternoon. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. Three wins in a row. It's legal. It's possible. You bet. Against the Kansas City Royals, those count? Sure, technically, three tight victories against the worst or second worst team in baseball, depending on the day. Oakland's real bad. Kansas City's real bad as well. There might be a little more hope in Oakland, which is weird because that team isn't even playing in Oakland long term. Pretty woof. It's a woof factory, but the Yankees did take all three games. They could have lost all three games, but they leave us with at least a little bit of joy heading into the subway series off day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, baseball, and another Thursday off day, strange schedule, all centered around the Mets at Yankee stadium. And uh, we'll talk about the things that we believe are tangibly uh, interesting and exciting long-term the keys based on that sweep, the team's first three game sweep since May 19th to 21st against the Reds. Jesus Christ. And the first three-game winning streak of any kind since May 28th to 30th, which was Padres and Mariners. May, again, that is May. Three games is a normal amount of games to win in a row. They have not done that between May and the end of July. Is that good? Plus, Aaron Judge's toe workout that the Yes Network really wanted us to see. Jonathan Loisaga getting some work in as well. Will Judge's return mean a fan favorite will leave the roster at the trade deadline? Getting kind of likely. And more Yankees lies surface with Jose Trevino's injury admission, which we got to talk about from Friday. Dropped right before the weekend. We'll discuss it today. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review or a mailbag question that review. If you feel like it, we'll be more than happy to answer it. Thomas Carinante, you got a special offer for the folks today from Bet365. I indeed do. What's up, Yankees fans? We have an awesome sports betting promo for new Bet365 users, and it's very simple. All you got to do is deposit $10 and place a $1 wager on any sport and then you will instantly receive $200 added to your account in bonus bets. Whether you win or lose, doesn't matter. You'll be betting on the Yankees right now, and the outcome doesn't matter. You will be cashing out, and you will have all that money to bet on whatever sports you want. All you have to do is use the code YGYBetting at signup. By using that code, again, YGYBetting, you will not only receive the $200 in bonus bets, but you will also be directly supporting us, the podcast. We're a bunch of good guys, and it's worth it. So if you haven't signed up for Bet365 yet, join with the code YGYBetting and place that first bet. This offer is available for new customers only who are 21 and older and physically present in most legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode descriptions for the full terms of the offer. Man, what a weekend. Um, I'll tell you what, though. They've convinced me of nothing. No, how could they possibly have convinced you of anything? It's nice to win, right? Nobody's going home angry. Clay Holmes gets a three-run lead in the ninth on Saturday, puts two on, but he gets out of it, and so you leave that game going, hey, DJ Oppo homer, hey, Stanton insurance homer. These are things I haven't seen in months, and so it's it's a weekend that feels feels nice, and and like a couple minutes later, the Mets beat the Red Sox in the first game on Saturday, and you're like having a pretty nice, relaxing Saturday – but I think it doesn't mean all that much in the grand scheme of things. They're still going to try to cut money at the trade deadline. They're still going to sell expensive assets and hopefully plan for 24, 25, 26. But a uh, couple of things you saw in this weekend series, at least where it might not light you up and have you saying like, well, that's permanent. That's obviously going to happen every single game, but it will at least give you the vibe of like, Hey, it's possible. Like, Hey, if that happens again, it's possible because we can discount the Royals as much as we want. And we should, because there's no way. I think I said that the Yankees were going to sweep the Royals, even when they were at their lowest, because that's kind of what they do. They never go away. They do something to make you believe. And then they do a bunch more stuff to make you not believe. But they were losing to six, seven, eight ERA guys all weekend in Colorado and Anaheim. So saying like, oh, they faced Alec Marsh, (laughs) you know, they faced Jordan Lyles. Like you can't really, you can't discount anybody. And so the fact that they were able to put up runs on Jordan Lyles, any, an opposing fan would look at that and be like, duh. But anybody who's actually watched this team knows that that was at least a step forward, an embarrassingly simple step forward, but a step forward nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, it's it's what they needed. It's what they should be doing. That's why most of the season has been frustrating because 
first three-game winning streak since May. That can't happen for a team that is supposed to be a World Series contender. Never heard um, of anything like that. Three, ga- three games is such an easy amount of games to win in a row. It's really easy to do that. Yeah, so <clears throat> obviously beating up on a team like the Royals doesn't renew any hope, but at the very least it gives them – the breathing room that they needed before the trade deadline to justify potentially buying. I think you still have to buy the right candidates. I don't think now at this point you're talking about, you know, throwing caution to the wind, maybe acquiring Cody Bellinger, which is something I think we both disagree with, but nonetheless, um, they, they have a somewhat of a blueprint moving forward to figure things out. I think when Aaron judge returns this lineup could start to come together as it was earlier in the year. Um, my only thing from watching this was I was encouraged by no walks from Luis Severino on Sunday. That was cool. He's been struggling with command. He's been getting knocked around. I know he gave up eight hits in what five yeah. innings or whatever it was. Five but, and two thirds. And he got it spoiled by a home run right at the buzzers. A way yeah. better start before the sixth inning. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was good to see at least that, you know, that's that he was, he was solid against the angels too. So that could be trending in the right direction or. Maybe some team will value him at the trade deadline, and that's the money we can shed. Um, and uh, Sean Casey's work might be working. I don't know. Uh, like we said before, we weren't going to judge him after a six-game stretch after the Rockies and um, the Angels series. Certainly not going to judge his work against the Royals because of how bad they are, but we got some noticeable changes, we think, in the stances of Giancarlo Stanton and Anthony Rizzo which have led to some positive results, not as consistent as you'd like them to be. But it's important that at least there's some sort of a corner being turned before the schedule starts to ramp up a little bit. Remember, the Mets might not be great, but they're desperate. This two-game series will not be easy. And then Baltimore and the Rays right before the trade deadline and Baltimore's first in the division, they have not been swept in 72 series. What was that number? Uh, I mean, it was at least 70 the other day. I'm not sure if they made it up to 70. They tied the all-time record with the Braves. Yeah, Adley Rutschman. Adley Rutschman has never been swept in his MLB career. Fucking crazy. Um, So, yeah, they're not – neither of those teams are going to lie down. They're they're, uh, jockeying for first place in the division, I'm sure. But one or both of them would love to kick the Yankees down a few more notches. Um, But, yeah, this will be – these next next, uh, four or five games will be the tell-all for what they're going to do at the deadline. Yeah, they're lucky that they get to face this murderer's row now, right when they have to decide whether to buy or sell. (laughs) It should be really easy uh, after the Mets O's and start of the Rays series. It's a really odd little schedule, too, because they've got these these two Mets games at home with all the off days in between, with the Monday-Thursday off day. They go to Baltimore for three. That is a wrap on the Orioles for the season. They never have to see them again, which is weird considering all the other AL East uh, rivals have been pretty well spread out through August and September. That's it for the Yanks and O's. I guess the schedule makers did not believe in Baltimore. But you got three in Baltimore, come back immediately for the Rays for three and the Astros for four. So they face this ridiculous set of opponents. But at the very least, all the games except for Baltimore are on the Yankees' home turf. So that's actually a pretty good shot for them to sustain some momentum. Again, or die on the vine, which would be, okay, sell everything now. You could be back at 500 by the trade deadline. So in that case, sell everything that's not tied down. Um, I do want to I want to talk about a couple trade candidates uh, and we'll talk about that in the uh, Aaron Judge return fan favorite section. But the things that we actually need to see moving forward, like you don't have to believe everything you saw from the Royals. But as far as I'm concerned, the three things that have to be long term keys in order for this team to have any chance. One, Anthony Rizzo's four for four can't be a mirage Um because we, we looked at uh, – somebody picked apart the stances of Rizzo and Stanton and found that since Sean Casey joined the team, both are now crouching lower, which is that going to solve everything overnight? No, because Anthony Rizzo has been pretty awful under his tenure until Sunday. Uh, so no one is arguing like, oh, the fact that like you know he's crouched lower immediately solved Anthony Rizzo. Sunday solved Anthony Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo saw Jordan Lyles and the Royals bullpen, and he saw them very well. It is first home run in two months. Not coincidentally, the last time the Yankees had a three-game sweep was also the last series in which Rizzo homered. Um, So he has to turn that four for four into tangible progress. He cannot backslide for the rest of the week. He doesn't have to go four for four every day. He's not seeing the Royals every day, but that has to be legitimate. Um, DJ LeMahieu's opposite field home run, same deal. That He has to maintain that momentum. That can't be a mirage. Uh, DJ LeMahieu more encouraging since the break 
Rizzo not hitting at all. Stanton hitting around 220 with significant power since the break. Um, so depends on what kind of ball player you like. I don't think most people like guys who hit 220 with an 800 OPS in New York because um, the optics are bad. And, and so you, you can't be in love with Giancarlo Stanton's second half so far. But better than Rizzo's. Uh, and then DJ LeMahieu, though, since the second half began, nine games, eight starts, hitting 344 with a 400 OBP, 931 OPS, only that one homer and only one RBI. So hitting for extra base power, hitting, hitting 344 in general in an almost 10-game stretch is like nothing we've seen from DJ since the end of April. So he has to prove over the next week, over this all-important week, that some of that momentum, that the opposite field home run, which is what we've come to believe is uh, DJ LeMahieu's number one skill set, is being able to flick the ball all around the field, find the porch, find uh, find the wall, find the fence, no matter where uh, the ball is pitched, no matter where he's being pitched. He needs to show us that that's real. And then uh, Anthony Volpe's playing every day at this point. Uh, he has not missed a Yankee game this year. He missed his first the other day, and uh, then he went in for Gleyber Torres anyway and his uh, hip problems towards the end of that game. He is not allowed uh, to basically sit unless his struggles get deeper, and, and, and Oswald Peraza has to play every day. They have to play almost every yeah. single day. Um, because the defense is real. Uh, the offensive benefit comes the more reps you give them. And I think we all saw why these two have to get as much action as possible in uh, Friday's game, specifically against the Royals, where Peraza was all over the place, playing up the middle spectacularly, uh, hitting like a 400-foot long rip to the wall that got robbed. He deserved better. And then Volpe ends the game with a great sliding play, toss the third to get the third out of the ninth inning and save the Again, they could have blown Friday, Probably should have blown Friday. Tommy Canley was close to blowing Friday. Could have blown Saturday. Somehow a 5 nothing game. The offense does that thing where they shut down and it becomes 5-3 and it becomes 5-3 with two on and one out with Michael King on the mound. They run away late, but, man, they really were close to blowing all three of these baseball games. You can't get too excited, but I saw those three positives. And if they're able to sustain those for the next week, then you're at least feeling like they're competent. Right now, though, they're 53 and 47. So are the Red Sox. The Red Sox have just played the A's for six games, the Cubs for three. Uh, they just played the Mets for three at Fenway. Huge advantage for Boston during that stretch. But everybody sort of agrees, oh, the Red Sox are 53 and 47. They should buy. The Yankees have the same record, just played a bad. They both ended up with the same record, both just played bad teams. And everyone agrees one should buy and one should sell. Maybe neither is that good, or maybe they're both pretty competent, but the Yankees should probably take some cues from that. Yeah. A uh, weird couple of weird observations here, too, is that that this hit streak from DJ May only upped his average by 13 points. It feels like he's been on absolute fire, and it just yeah. hasn't really Obviously. hasn't really translated to it because that's how bad he was prior to that. Um, and how do you play Peraza every day without getting rid of Glaber Torres? Yeah, I, I don't I, I don't see the scenario where that that that's the only thing that I see, because especially you wonder if there's still a desire for the front office to cut payroll. Glaber Torres technically would be cutting a decent amount of payroll because he's what making 10 million this year. And then he has one more year of arbitration left, which would ostensibly be in the 15 million dollar range. So that would free up money for next year as well. And then it would give the Yankees a good long-term outlook with what they would have in Volpe and Peraza, if that's truly, uh, if that's truly their vision. Yeah, I liked what I've seen from from Peraza, especially when he was thrusted right into the leadoff role for a number of those games. And I know he wasn't the greatest in uh, the Royal Series, and he sat one of the games, but he had that four-walk game against the Angels, which wildly impressive. I know he had the base running errors, but again. Very important for someone like that to be on the field as often as they possibly can be because it either helps build their trade value if you're looking to do that or it helps you see what you might have in them moving forward. And he was a somewhat important piece last year when he came up for the Yankees for that one month um, in September. Uh, clearly kind of changed the complexion of everything with his defense and with um, his energizing bat. Um, so yeah, I think as as much as fans have been arguing about this for again reasons I don't understand, um, out completely outraged by the fact that Glaber Torres should be involved in trade talks, and it's like, again, if Glaber Torres is your best hitter, you have a lot bigger problems than than you know trading trading him and potentially getting value for him. But 
at this point, that's the one player that they can trade without having to eat money, without having to attach a prospect, because what other deals are you clearing? No one's taking Luis Severino's money unless maybe he has one more good start before the break. And then they'll be like, okay, we'll take a flyer and pay what? Um, six more million for him for the rest of the year. And then maybe have a shot at signing him in the off season. No one's taking LeMahieu's money. No one's taking Stanton's money. No one's taking Rizzo's money. Um, I think you might have a possibility for someone to take IKF's money, but that's like what, two, two and a half million. So that's not really enough to actually clear quote, clear payroll. It does get the Yankees under the tax. Um, if that's the true desire. But when you say, when we heard the report about clearing payroll, they're not getting rid of one guy making two and a half million dollars to clear the payroll. They'll probably be looking at, you know, a couple of other significant moves. I don't know what they are, but if you want to talk about making an easy one, Labor Torres is the easiest one right now. Labor Torres hit uh, 198 in June, followed by 325 in July with an 890 OPS. This is certainly selling high. If you believe in selling high, that that is what they would be doing. Uh, he has been a Sears commercial since the All Star break. Another scorcher. 378, 1051 OPS, three homers and seven RBI in nine games, one walk. Somehow his OBP is below his batting average. Hit, hitting 378 with a 375 OBP. Somebody explain. Uh, somebody explain this. I don't even know how that's possible mathematically. How is that possible? He is single and got yacked going for two. I don't remember this happening, but uh, I don't. Does it not count as on base if you're not technically on base? No, that counts as a single. It should. I, I don't understand any of this. Uh, but there you go. His OBP sits below his average. Uh, Glaber has broken baseballreference.com. Uh, the conversation right now in the comments uh, regarding this team is basically everybody needs to go. Everybody needs to go instantly. Um, yeah. and, but it does lead into the, the pitching uh, discussion. So there's a lot of, uh, first of all, DJ and Stanton, right? I actually had this conversation at Cooperstown this weekend with, uh, with a fan who wanted to talk. And it's like, um, it, it just could be summed up very quickly. Like if somebody wanted to take those people, they'd be gone. Right. Yeah. Like if somebody gave the Yankees an out clause on Giancarlo Stanton and DJ LeMahieu, they'd be gone. It's going to take significant prospect capital from the Yankees end to clear out those players. So they are going to exhaust every limit of possibility in rehabbing them back to full strength before they entertain that. Cause they're going to have to give away a Will Warren, yeah. an Austin Wells, like somebody big time in order to get DJ and Stanton off the books. So they're not doing that unless they prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that DJ and Stanton are no longer winning players. Was Stan never a winning player? Kind of. Kind of clutch in the playoffs, actually. But they're going to need to exhaust that uh, for the rest of the season. And they don't really mind, uh, quote-unquote, wasting a year of Judge and Cole's prime to do that. Um, as for the pitchers, Severino, Schmidt, Domingo Herman, all interesting to me. Um, because Schmidt sort of has, has been floated as a sell high, has been floated as somebody you give to the Cardinals. I get it. But he's under control through like 2027. Are you sure that you want to give away somebody who kind of looks like a weapon in the rotation in the four spot or five mm. spot who's becoming the guy that you envision he'd be? And at worst, he is a good bullpen piece. You sure you want to give that away? You're Severino, sure? Severino, you you give away if somebody if somebody comes and wants to pay Luis Severino's salary, fine. Right now. Right now, but if it costs again a great prospect to get rid of a financial burden that will go away at the end of the season anyway, no, that's bad business. Uh, that's bad, but he's gone in two months, right? So his last two starts were good, yeah. good, not great, both good. Uh, you look at your guy, you see it's a sunk cost, you're trying to clear the money. And if somebody comes to you and says, I'll clear seven million dollars off your payroll, you go, Great, have him, take him, fine. But if somebody says I'll cover five hundred thousand, and you got to give me Yoendris Gomez, then you're like, no, absolutely not. Um, it's got to be the whole salary or nothing. You might as well just ride with him and then put him in the bullpen if you have to. Domingo Herman is the one that makes me go, maybe you talk about a sell high. Yeah, he threw a perfect game last month. So you want to talk about a sell high? High as it's ever been. You've seen him against the Dodgers this year, dominate him. You've seen him dominate good offenses. You have seen him take tangible steps forward. 1.075 whip on the year. This is his best season since being a Yankee. That said, still the roller coaster, still up and down, still equally likely, no matter how good he's been in a couple of start stretch, still could absolutely give up 10 runs and three and a third like he did to the Mariners a couple weeks ago. So not saying that's not a player you want to ride with, but 
If somebody gives you the opportunity to sell him high, you maybe consider it. I consider it above yes. Schmidt and Severino personally. Um, he's got, I mean, right now we've got Cole, Rodon, who's a question mark. Severino, definitely a question mark. Schmidt, Herman, Cortez comes back. You all like Randy Vasquez. You all like Johnny Brito lately. I mean, they actually do have upper-level pitching depth at this point. Maybe it's not the names you expected, but they're competent up there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, if somebody comes to me and wants to take Jamingo Herman off my hands, I would be less shocked at him moving than I would have been at Jordan Montgomery last year. Yeah, I mean, look at it this way. Are you extending – Domingo Herman is what, one year of control after this season? Yeah, that's it. They, and there's no him? way they're extending him. Exactly. So you get value in it not being a rental because teams are going to appreciate that where they don't have to – where they're not maybe overpaying or being taken advantage of with the pitching prices at the trade deadline. Um, and then you have a way to replace him in the rotation in theory with Clark Schmidt who – would be look at the Yankees are trying to cut payroll. They are, they should keep the controllable guy who's been performing well. I know that's a complete 180 based on, you know, maybe what I was saying in April because I thought Clark Schmidt should have been off this team. But at this point, he's going toe to toe with Herman, if not has been more consistent and actually better. Um, and Herman has no long term outlook on this team because you're not paying him what you would pay a mid rotation starter if he's valued at that when the time comes, if he pitches on this trajectory for another year and a half. So sell high, and then in theory, if what you're trying to do is maybe clear some payroll by attaching a prospect to one of these bigger contracts, I don't know who it might be, um, but you would, you'd maybe be able to get a prospect back in a Herman deal that you would have to deal in one of these other ones to get rid of the bigger contracts. My biggest question here is why are the Yankees not smart enough to do earlier deadline work? You see... The Orioles doing it, you see the Braves doing it, and I understand the Yankees situation is a lot different from those teams. The Orioles are a clear contender. They have a great roadmap. They know what they need. Um, the Braves, best team in baseball, any additions yeah. and fortifications they can make is are smart. Why? And the Yankees don't know where they stand maybe for this year, but – do you know where you stand if you want another controllable arm or a controllable outfielder? You can make that deal without being pressed up against, and I know some other teams might not be willing to make the deals that early, but you see these trades happening. You're telling me someone else is not willing to make this trade you know, unless it's uh, three hours before the trade deadline? The closer you get to the trade deadline, the more chaotic it gets, the more other teams jump into the mix, the higher the price gets. Why why is this team not looking ahead to at least get them a piece for 2024? Cause it's clear we're, th th that's going to be what we need at some point. If we're doing some sort of hybrid retool here, which I think will probably prevail in the end, if they can not shit their pants over this next week, you can make those hybrid deals that don't, that don't include marquee players a week or 10 days before the deadline, like these other teams did. And I'm nervous now because what happened last year? We got pressed up against the deadline. It seemed like Brian Cashman thought he had a number of moves in motion that were going to complement each other. You talk about the Glaber Torres, Pablo Lopez thing. When that fell apart, then dealing Jordan Montgomery look, looked really stupid. Then they didn't have enough fortification in the rotation to last them for the rest of the year, which almost resulted in them, you know, kind of blowing it. So unless there is a foolproof plan where they have everything they need to lined up and they have ha maybe handshake agreements in place, or they know where they have to overpay and overspend for certain talents. I don't know why we're not jumping on these opportunities a little bit more or why don't you, in theory, why don't you sell Domingo Herman a couple of starts ago? I, I, if that's part of the plan, I don't know, but the fact that there's no traction um, at this point, there hasn't been one move made by a team that clear that needs moves made for right now and for 2024 and for 2025. It just makes me nervous because it feels like now everything's going to be squished into one day. Not everything's going to go down as planned because the deadline is beyond chaotic and it could put them in a precarious spot if they do what they did last year where they make one deal assuming another one's going to happen and then somebody else swoops in, overpays for somebody else, and then they're left you know, with with their thumb up their butt. Yeah, you don't want your thumb up your butt, which is crucial. Um, they The Orioles, yeah, already traded for Fujinami. 
Rockies and Braves, Pierce Johnson and Taylor Hearn from the Rangers going there. It's a seller's market this year. If you are a seller, you are going to have a lot of people competing for very few yes. assets, though the Rockies and A's have already found ways to make themselves useful. And, and the Kansas City Royals sold a role as Chapman like a month ago. It clearly like could not wait to get him out yeah. of the house. They were like, oh my God. Yeah. Somebody wants a role. Like they got a role as Chapman for the express purpose of trading him at this deadline. And then we're like, we can't even, we can't even wait to the deadline. Like having him here is deeply uncomfortable. We have to get him gone. And uh, the role as Chapman experience reared its head fully this week. Just shout out to everybody. Uh, so, Cause we had both sides. Uh, we had both sides of the aisle going Chapman throwing one Oh three. Now again, it's an easy tweak. He like contorts his body a little bit, gets a bigger load. Like you see the the windup is a little slower than it was during his final years in New York. And he's throwing 103, 104 again. People are clowning on him. Uh, people are clowning on Matt Blake and the Yankees for not being able to fix him. They're clowning on him over the weekend. Last week, uh, he throws a 103 mile an hour nonsense ball that acts like a slider and tails away from a right-handed hitter. Ben Verlander is like, this is the sickest pitch I've ever seen. Great. What happens yesterday, Monday? Uh, he gets a three-run lead in Houston, can't find the strike zone, puts two on base in the seventh, throws 97 center cut to Chaz McCormick, who deposits it for a game-tying three-run shot in the exact same place as the Jose Altuve home run. Again, down six miles an hour in the most important game of the year so far, blows it, Rangers lose. That's who Aroldis Chapman is. But we had to endure about a week of people clowning on the Yankees saying, oh my gosh, like how are they unable to unlock this guy? Nope, that's just, again, who he is is what he did last night. Biggest game of the year for that Rangers team in danger of losing the lead in the West to the Astros. Game on the line. Lights are bright. Loses the strike zone. Loses the mechanics. Miles an hour gone. Chaz McCormick three-run home run. I will never accept anyone telling me that I need to regret getting rid of Roldis Chapman ever oh. again. And by the way, he gave up last year. He surrendered. If not yeah. earlier. If not in 2021 or 2020. He decided last year. That's it for me. I'm getting an infected tattoo. I'm going home. You don't put me on the playoff roster because of my name only. I will not. I will not report. I will not be at practice. They said you sucked this year. We're not doing that. And he said, "I am going home. Good luck to everybody." Remember when he used to be going back and forth from Scranton to New York and taking like Instagrams of the black car they got him, showing the radio and stuff. Insufferable. If if things weren't perfect for him, he didn't function. And when the lights are brightest, he was the worst. So I hope we can put that discourse to bed. Yesterday, uh, I tweeted like a week ago when the Rangers were rubbing that acquisition in our faces. Just wait, there's no feeling worse than when a roll is Chapman blows a game for you, truly. Because uh, not only does uh, the save get blown, but he's a roll is Chapman. You have a, it means you have a roll is Chapman on the roster in the first place, already bad. And then he blows a save for you in a high pressure situation, even worse. So enjoy that, Rangers. Won't be the last. You know his brain broke too when he got brought in the seventh. He's like, I yeah. can't do the seventh inning. I have to I've do never the ninth this before. And the ninth yeah. only. The one thing I was frustrated about is that you did see, you know, in that however, what was it, the first three weeks with the Rangers, um, and even the highlights with the Royals, there was a discernible difference difference in his mechanics that probably played a role in him having two really awful years at the end of his tenure in New York, which that's what got me mad. I never wanted to roll the Chapman bag at any point. I wanted him gone after 2019, but the fact that whatever the Yankees were doing, let him get out of hand for those final two seasons here where it was unbearable to watch. And, um, there was, and like you said, the, the, him blowing saves is the absolute worst because not only does he blow the game, but it's in the most incomprehensible manner ever. Balls are flying into the backstop. He's losing an, a ridiculous amount of velocity. He becomes the most hittable pitcher you've ever seen. Yep. So my frustration lied for that month or a little bit longer where it was like, how did nobody see this? Again, is nobody watching the tape? Nobody could see that his follow when he was following through in a couple of these clips, he was completely standing upright wearing a Yankees jersey. And then he was completely, you know, falling over and having his leg and his entire body go forward in these other clips when he was with the Royals and the Rangers. So it's just like, it's more frustrating when you think about it from the coaching lens, when you think about Volpe, all it took was somebody watching a couple of videos to determine that Anthony Volpe had a minor issue with his stance and watching roll the Chapman go succeed elsewhere, especially because look, the Rangers are a good team. 
a lot of their games, every single one of their games at this point matters. They're in a very tight division race. So I know at this point he's blown the most important one so far, but he was all, he also pitched what eight or nine scoreless innings to start off his career there um, or his, his time there. Um, and he looked unhittable for those, for those outings. And you know that the one blow up is going to come, but the fact that, you know, I don't remember him outside of the beginning stretch of 2021 being that unhittable for us over the last two years. And it's just like, how did nobody see anything for two years? Yeah, it was the beginning part of 2021. And then somehow that yeah. became his worst season in pinstripes. Yep. Just a really great, uh, just a great development. A uh, good guy to have on your roster for sure. Well, if you want to bet on the Rangers futures, if you believe in a role as Chapman, join Bet365 if you have not yet. We hope, Yankees fans, that there are some new users out there for Bet365. If so, we have an awesome sports betting promo for you if you have not signed up yet. All you have to do is deposit $10 and place a $1 wager on any sport. You will instantly receive $200 added to your account in bonus bets, whether you win or lose. All you have to do is use the code YGYBetting at sign up. Again, you don't get that $200 in bonus bets if you do not use YGYBetting at sign up. By using our code, you not only receive those $200 in bonuses, but you will also be directly supporting the podcast best thing you can do for both you and us so if you have not signed up for bet365 join with the code ygy betting and place that first bet this offer is available for new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in most legal gambling states please remember to always gamble responsibly check the episode description for the full terms of the offer everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, let's talk about the most famous toe in the, in the known universe. Um, while two of our... Uh, Yankee fans argue in the comments uh, for the entire duration of this episode about what direction uh, they believe that this current team should take. Again, somewhere in between. They're not perfect. They should try to get rid of If they could give away Stanton, they would. If they could give away DJ, they would. We'll keep trying to talk in the absolutes and the things that we can control. And Aaron Judge uh, got a heavily broadcast little toe rehab session against Jonathan Loisaga. On Sunday, Loisaga, shout out to him, stayed away from the inside corner so that Judge did not foul a ball off his toe. And so that Loisaga did not spike a ball off his toe. That was big. That was considerate after Carlos Rodon drilled Willie Calhoun in the elbow cap. Um, I appreciate the extra effort being taken here. Judge took some hacks, fouled off some balls, did not hit one in fair territory. I know you're supposed to believe in the process more than the results, but I'm certainly a little bummed by the results um, simply because I don't really know what he's feeling. He's continued to express that he is not going to feel right this year. And he was just going to muddle through with what he can do. And I guess my question, obviously you want him back. And obviously you assume that doctors have told him you are not going to do long-term damage by delaying the surgery. Cause if they did tell him, Hey, this might be it for you. If you come back too soon, I don't, I, you'd have to think he'd be a little smarter than that, but all that's important for me is that a, he comes back. It's extremely important. It's crucial. In fact, but two, that when he comes back, if he aggravates it, if he runs into a base, if he does get plunked by a foul ball, that that is not going to set him off course and end whatever rehab he could do this offseason post-surgery, which he probably still needs. You know how I feel about this. I don't <laughs> if he's not coming back, if he can't come back, if he can't come back fully healthy this year, then there is no sense in him coming back. And there should be surgery if that has to happen. And then that gives the Yankees a clear vision on what they need to do if it's clearing house. Um, because if Aaron Judge is not Aaron Judge then there is no sense in wasting assets to try and go for a World Series this year and then compromise his offseason recovery. And it sucks to say that because it sounds like I'm saying give up. But at the same time, like, would the Angels be going for it if Otani went down for the year? You know, would any of these other teams in contention be going for it and mortgaging the future and trying to pretend – 
they're somebody they're not if their best player was out and compromise out for the season or compromised for the season. Um, and then you look at Aaron Judge's situation, which is a lot different than many other other players out there. Is he just signed an extension for three hundred sixty million dollars? Yeah. If you're compromising any year beyond the year in front of you with whatever ailment he's dealing with, then you are compromising the length of that contract because you know how injuries work. We've seen it every single year. You are never the same the year after, um, when, especially when you're recovering in the offseason from whether it's surgery or whether it's a long rehab or whatever. You're constantly behind the eight ball, and you're constantly playing catch-up to everybody who's been healthy and who's been getting those regular reps in um, and has been up, been up to game speed and all that stuff. I know Aaron Judge is a little bit different too because he's arguably the best hitter on the planet, um, quote, built different, and um, is a guy who would not need a rehab assignment in this, you know, in, in this scenario of a lengthy injury absence. But I, I don't know. And that's why it's, it's constantly putting the Yankees in a, in a tough position. And that's why when we talk about a three-game winning streak against the Royals – I don't really give a shit because you can win the next three games. And I don't know if that changes anything because it's a crowded AL playoff picture. And you'd have to assume the Yankees would be keeping an impressive pace for the remainder of the year. And you'd have to assume that it's either going to be without Aaron judge or with a version of Aaron judge. That is not the MVP version of Aaron judge. And if this team has the non MVP version of Aaron judge, it's not making a deep playoff run. They had, they were on a record winning pace last year. We thought, you know, Jared Carabas decided to brilliantly jinx them in uh, in one of his uh, in one of his spots on DraftKings or whatever the fuck. Um, yeah. And then the Yankees, to got to, they managed to survive it. They got to the playoffs largely healthy. I know, you know, DJ LeMahieu was compromised, and you know they they had some pitching issues, but to barely scrape by the Guardians, to get swept by the Astros like that, the AL has gotten better this year. So I don't see a scenario where you can take a risk on doing this unless of course it is a foolproof re model where you're getting guys for 2024 and you're, you know, you're getting other players out of here that don't have a future beyond 2023. But again, press up against the deadline with a week to go ostensibly with no deals in the works. Cause we really haven't heard anything. I don't see that going down as seamlessly as many people might think. Do you want to feel angry again? Kind of uh, at least a little bit. Last year's team somehow didn't get to 100 wins. They ended at 99 after they were so red scorching hot in that first half. Their Pythagorean win-loss record was 106 and 56 last year. How do you win 99 games and still be seven games below where you're expected to perform in terms of luck? That is the most unlucky 99-win team in the history of the world. You look at the offensive stats. I don't even know how they hit last year. Oh, right, Aaron Judge. Like It was just Aaron Judge. Uh, DJ... uh, 112 OPS plus. I think both you and I may, I, I would have actually thought he was below 100 last year. Uh, he was a brutal watch, but somehow this year he's been a much more brutal watch. Yeah. Uh, Stanton again, right there. Uh, 114. Yuck. Glaber 115. Yuck. Donaldson 95. Uh, but I would have told you Donaldson was a 74. Like to know that Donaldson yeah. was kind of close to a, a, a league average bat last year is stunning to me. And then uh, down the stretch of the playoffs last year, completely useless and now gone. Um, so, yeah, if Aaron Judge can't carry the load, this offense, it's gotten even worse. It's going to be bad again because mm-hmm. leading in the last October, he was the only guy doing stuff. Now he remains kind of the only guy doing stuff and they're not doing anything because he's on the bench. Um, what uh, does his return mean, though, potentially for the rest of the roster? I think that's important because <laughs> – they're out of easy cuts. Um, obviously, you don't say no to Aaron Judge coming back, and nobody will. Um, but you're out of easy cuts because Franji Cordero gone down to AAA. They've retained him, so he's still there. Oswaldo Cabrera has options as well, so he's at AAA. The two guys with options are at AAA. Now gets the tough part. Aaron Judge, gonna you're not going to tell Aaron Judge not to come back. If he can come back and he wants to, he will. Willie Calhoun also rehabbing right now. Nestor Cortez rehabbing right now. Bringing Nestor Cortez to the active roster, you're going to end up losing Nick Ramirez. You're going to end up losing Albert Abreu. Sure. 
unless you could put a corresponding move out there, put somebody on the IL and fake it for a little bit. Uh, offense, again, maybe Anthony Rizzo needs to go on the IL and fake it a little bit. But Greg Allen, who they got rid of Aaron Hicks to bring in, is back. That's somebody who might find himself off the roster in favor of Aaron Judge. Jake Bowers might find himself gone, even though he's been the second or third best power hitter on this team during his time on the active roster. Makes you think about Billy McKinney, who's a player of the game on Friday, who's basically been the best uh, Yankees outfielder in Judge's absence. You're really going to get rid of him to bring in a hobbled Aaron Judge back? What about Isaiah Connor Falefa, who wouldn't save you that much money, but would save you some, has not been playing much lately. The defense he showed us in Colorado, again, proved that, hey, it's been nice. I'm glad he's playing in the outfield. Still not an outfielder. Nope. Um, did everything they asked of him and more. Had a 120 WRC plus for a long period during Judge's absence, but is one of those veterans who's under contract, making ARB money, free agent at the end of the year. All that does to me is embolden his case for being traded. And honestly, the Nestor stuff, same with Wandy Peralta. It yeah. emboldens my thought that Wandy gets jettisoned, replaced with a guy with options, then that guy gets sent down and Nestor comes back. I mean, that's that's that has to be the way it's approached. You have these players coming back. You're going to have a roster crunch, and you have to sit here and look and see who is of value beyond this year. Um, you obviously don't want to get rid of guys who are helping you right now, but then again, where are you going to go with this current roster? Without Aaron Judge, I, I you know I just don't see it. Again, if you can get rid of, I think they could probably trade like Albert Abreu and Wandy Peralta and get something. You could part with Nick Ramirez; it doesn't matter. Yeah. We're talking about trading Domingo Herman; that clears another roster spot. Talk about trading Isaiah Kiner Falefa; that clears another roster spot. Um, do you capitalize on maybe the trade value of any of Greg Allen, Billy McKinney, and Jake Bowers? Mm-hmm. Uh, what? I don't understand why you wouldn't, because again, if these are the guys keeping you afloat, then you have no chance to do anything Correct. of, of substance. So yeah, the, there are returning who it's Nestor and who who's on the way back. Willie Calhoun. Yeah. Willie Calhoun. But again, is Willie Calhoun someone you need? No, but again, they, they might just never bring him back. They might yeah. say, thank you so much. And yeah. you're DFA. But yeah. he is on the way back. Yeah. So I think if if you're I think those are the guys we have to look for for being traded. It's gonna be Albert Abreu, it's gonna be Domingo Herman, it's gonna be Wandy Peralta, it's gonna be IKF, and then it's gonna be one of those three outfielders outfielders, because Jake Bowers is not an outfielder. Um and that's the like that's the other, I guess, optimistic part about this is that the Yankees have gotten value out of guys that cost them nothing. That would be of greater value to another team who cannot inherit payroll um, or, you know, doesn't want to make a blockbuster deal at the deadline and just wants to maybe add depth. There's a lot of teams out there that need depth, especially playoff contenders that need to weather the storm and get through a full 162 game season. Like all of these acquisitions could be very worthwhile for them. Like, yeah, maybe you pay a little bit for Wandy Peralta, but like, what if he's one of the last guys in your bullpen as a contender? That's really valuable. Having him as one of our three best relievers, you know, maybe at this moment is not a, a smart investment, but for a team like the Dodgers who need relief help and could use somebody who A is a left-handed pitcher and B can theoretically pitch in high leverage situations if you need him to, but shouldn't be that go-to guy all the time, then you're talking about you'll be you'll be able to get value and clear payroll at the same time while also clearing roster spots and maybe getting these other guys into the mix that um, you think are going to be able to maybe contribute beyond this season. So I th- that's why I'm concerned that there hasn't been a single move made yet because there is still a lot of players that could be moved off this roster um, in preparation of, you know, Nestor and Willie Calhoun being on the mend and nothing has happened. So I'm stumped. I'm stumped too. I thought you were going to say Willie Calhoun being on the Mets. I was like, well, maybe. Maybe. Um, no. Yeah, techn- again, on the mend, but like, him, go, him getting injured after contributing so much, certainly not a blessing. You do not want a fan favorite and Willie Owen to get hurt, but it definitely was a moment where you're like, all right, well, that helps because he was maybe going to get DFA in three days. Oh, and Luizaga. What about Luizaga coming back? He's going to Tampa to rehab with Judge. He'll be back in the second half too. It, it only means you need to clear out even more bullpen spots 
for guys with options. Nick Ramirez has an option. They can just send him down. Yeah. But, but I mean, yeah, it also depends on your 40 man roster spot situation. Like, do you want, if you're doing, a, if you're doing some sort of retool and you're adding other people into the mix and maybe you're, um, maybe you want to elevate, I don't know, maybe you want to call up a top prospect. Maybe you want to get like, get Davey Garcia off the 40 man, get Nick Ramirez off the 40 man. Matt Bowman, who they just yeah. added to the 40 man, you might not be able to enjoy your spot there for very long. No, I mean, and there's other players that you're going to want to see, like, well, Everson Prayer is on there, but what about Elijah Dunham? I don't know. The Yankees have the athletes in the minors to you get a preview of what they're going to do for next year and maybe expedite their their promotion process and their integration into the MLB roster, and you're talking a different story, and you get ahead instead of getting behind. I don't know. I'd be approaching this with a very open mind that 2023 is very much not the year and that getting ahead of 2024 is much more crucial for the entire big picture plan, which I, which is what they need to prioritize because at this point, what, what can happen in 2023 that's going to change anybody's outlook on, on, on this year or what's going to happen, I guess in the next month, that's going to change this team's playoff fortunes outside of Aaron judge coming back completely healthy. There, there, there really isn't many there uh, unless there is John Carlos Stanton having a Renaissance, Anthony Rizzo figuring out his problems overnight within the next couple weeks and using that one four hit game as a springboard. Um, DJ LeMahieu's uh, toe being back to normal and his power, not no longer being sapped. Um, Carlos Rodon, not kissing at opposing fans who are jeering him then yeah, you're talking about you're talking about a perfect storm of all the good things happening, and you might argue, yeah, the Yankee that that could happen because the Yankees constantly have perfect storms that bring everything to shit. But to think uh, to think of every regression and every issue going in the opposite direction and benefiting them, just it's that seems like a crazy philosophy to live by. When you get on a podcast like this and we just start talking about these issues, you realize there are a lot of guys that are hard to get rid of, but that also none of them are essential to the future. Yeah. You're like, oh, my God, I don't like any of these people. Or you're like, you listen to the problems you just listed off. It's like, oh, my God, it's 15. Yeah. That's so many. There's no one I even really believe in at this point. So just a reminder. Just a reminder. Just a reminder that this could be really bad if they don't make the right moves in a week. Correct. And they have not made the right moves. In years. Um, and, and the front office still uh, remember when they told us last week that like, hey, catcher is part of this, too. Like, oh, I wonder a why. Left fielder. We're looking for a left fielder. We're looking for a catcher. We're looking for, uh, you know, maybe a bullpen help, maybe starting rotation. We're like, wow, really? They're going to pull the plug on Jose Trevino like midseason. He's been bad. He's got a 58 OPS plus. That's dreadful. But like, didn't they get him for his defense? Oh, well, that's kind of strange. Well, no, it turned out he's got a wrist tear. Uh, when did he suffer this wrist tear? A couple days ago, a couple weeks back. Like he's been struggling all year. So no, it was uh, spring training. It was like before the season. So he said, uh, you know, finally got to the point where I realized I uh, playing through this was hurting the team more than me sitting out would. And I just want to, I I would love to speak to the person who uh, finally helped him come to that realization. I would love to know that person. Because uh, I, I don't think his 58 OPS plus and some of the worst at-bats you've seen in your life have been helping the team at any point during the season. Uh, the solution was just extremely subpar offensive play at the catching position. Not a great solution. Maybe let's spitball that one. Maybe let's workshop some alternatives because that's not the direction I would have gone in. Remember when they just needed to get the runner in from third, tie the game up against the Red Sox and extras, and he took three of the wildest, most unhinged swings you've ever seen in your life. Maybe don't send a guy up with a compromised wrist to do that in the biggest at-bat of a game or season to that point. Um, I can't believe it, but it, it was just five days before the injury that Aaron Boone was asked about Trevino's health, and he said he was generally healthy, quote, generally healthy, five days before the injury. Again, it took them until July 21st to decide that having him be a black hole on offense was preferable to getting him the surgery and using Ben Rortvet or bringing in another catcher to ensure against Ben Rortvet or God forbid using Austin Wells, who is now a triple a, uh, why buy a single thing that this team says, including about Anthony Rizzo, which I think yeah. some people online who have been arguing with me for the last couple of weeks, just bought hook, line and sinker that he's healthy. Why would you buy that? 
clearly there are injured players in need of surgery on this team. I never said that they, sh- if Rizzo's hurt, that he shouldn't go on the IL. He absolutely should be gone. And that would be an easy solution to this roster crunch. If he's hurt, get out of here. But I don't know how you can buy the team saying he feels pretty good. They said about Rizzo, he feels better than he has since coming to the team. That can't be true. Again, you just told me Jose Trevino was generally healthy. Minus the wrist tear, which is a specific, not general. Generally healthy, but specifically has a torn off wrist. Okay, great. I don't think he should be playing for the team anymore this season. Uh, I, I don't know why you'd buy anything they have to tell you. No, it's when has any injury diagnosis come out to be true or accurate or not the most vague thing you've ever heard? Remember, a month ago, a month ago, because I remember where I was a month ago on June 25th, we were told, or it was maybe a couple days before that, we were told that Aaron Judge was progressing nicely because he was in the anti-gravity pool. And that was optimistic for, you know, of, of, of his timetable. And you never know. It could be days. It could be weeks. It could be months before he's back. Those are all the updates we get. Aaron Boone is never revealing any true information guarded in every single response. These same injuries happen every year. It happens early on. They try to get look at DJ LeMahieu last year. We didn't learn about this devastating toe injury until the until after the all-star break when he was enduring all these problems. Um Kind of same thing with him the year in 2021 when it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, he has a really bad sports hernia injury and he's going to get surgery now. Sounds painful. Like, sounds really painful. Sounds like the kind of thing that would make you struggle to play baseball. Sounds like, yeah, sounds like something that's very much compromising everything you can do. Um, And that's been the case with just about everybody. Everybody who has dealt with some sort of ailment on this team has been the victim. uh, Up in the only time there was no, that that there was no uncertainty surrounding John Carlos was somehow this year when he missed the normal timetable with his hamstring injury. But every other year Stanton's been injured. There has been mysteriousness to it. There's been two weeks tacked on to his timeline. Um, th- th- there is always something. Um, you go back to Aaron Hicks's situation when he had the r- torn wrist sheath um, that he, they had to play through. He played through the, 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 um, the UCL injury as well. Um, they will go to great lengths to not tell you the correct information. They will try to hide it. They will think they're smarter than you. Yet you as the fan who is watching the bad play happen every night is wondering, is that person hurt? Is that person compromised in some way? Is Fernando yeah. Tatis Jr. running <laughs> head first into Anthony Rizzo's neck? Does that maybe have a, an effect on what he's able to do? Um, and they constantly think that everybody's dumb enough to just believe what they're going to say while they're providing no information. So I don't buy anything that they're saying about anybody just saw that Glaber Torres is healthy. So, and he's in the lineup tonight. So we'll see how that goes. Cause he's had recurring hip issues for <laughs> four years now. But guess who's not in the lineup today? Oswald Peraza. Oh, smart. Yeah. Jake Bowers in right field too. Not a right fielder. Mm-hmm. Rizzo right back at first stand at DH, even though he hits worse when he DHs and when he plays the outfield, Billy McKinney in left field, Bader in center, LeMahieu third, Volpe short, Higgy catching Domingo Herman on the mound. The Yankees remain undefeated in the star jersey patch era. So, you know, uh, Isaiah Cotter-Falefa on the bench again, by the way. Starter in a utility Keeping role. Keeping him healthy for a trade. Yeah, starter in a utility role for much of the season. Barely plays anymore. So, again, that lends credence to it. You, you got to salute him. You got to put the old hand on the head and say, thank you for doing what you were asked to do this year, yes. going above and beyond while judge was out specifically, but not an outfielder doesn't really fill a role. The Yankees currently need on this team and a free agent at the end of the year. So it'd be malpractice not to find a new home for him. You know exactly what you're getting like an 85 to 90 OPS plus a lot of singles, a lot of competence, not a starter. Nope. Probably not a Yankee anymore. Um, before we go, Andy Pettit, now a member of this advisory staff, but also not really. Um, and I think that says more about the procedure than the fact that he's around. Because Andy Pettit was on the field for the judge thing. He was spotted with Loisaga, spotted in the dugout. And everybody, it, word came from Bob Clappish. He'd been hired as a special advisor. Oh, great. Then Aaron Boone said, a, a couple eagle-eyed people were online were kind of like, wasn't he already a special? I thought he was already a special advisor. He wasn't that. And uh turned out he was. 
in 2019, left the role, but Boone had always saved a spot on the plane for him. He's going to be in New York sometimes. He's going to be on the road sometimes. He's sometimes going to be in neither of those places and just at home with his family. Kind of just sounds like they wanted to remind everybody that Andy Pettit is involved with the New York Yankees. I love Andy Pettit. He was the pitcher coach for Team USA. All of my happiest Yankees memories include him. That said, uh, it kind of feels one step above. Like Sean Casey, at least, is actually the hitting coach. Whether whether Sean Casey is going to fix this offense or not, he is actually the hitting coach. Andy Pettit kind of feels like Nick Swisher. Both are floating around the team right now. The team wants you to remember that they're there, but they don't really hold a defined role. So I don't think this puts the coaches on notice or the culture on notice. I think... Honestly, it's kind of just the Yankees wanting to be like, hey, remember Andy Pettit? Like, while we try to tell you that getting a healthy Rizzo back is like making a trade deadline acquisition. Remember when you used to be happy? Yeah, here's one of those guys. Like, I don't know. It's less exciting than I wanted it to be. Yeah, it's it's a PR stunt, again, with them thinking all the fans are stupid. Yeah. Uh, If there is no regular role for Andy Pettit, there's no reason for anybody to believe that this organization is – considering a massive culture shift no but there's a seat always available for him on the plane remember that it's open <laughs> they leave it they leave a seat open uh, completely completely unoccupied just do they charge do they charge aaron boone for the in-flight wi-fi <laughs> on that empty seat if they couldn't if they can't fill it the one thing i do think is they might be sending a message to the coaches by saying hey some of these guys are available Maybe Andy Petty doesn't want to fully be involved in everything at this moment. Um, maybe he would rather be involved with uh, a blank slate. Uh, more, he-, he would want to be involved more heavily available on under a blank slate because um, maybe he doesn't like what he sees right now. I don't know. I think it's optimistic to think there's a succession plan in place with, with all these types of moves. Um, but either way, it's – it doesn't sell you on anything. It just tells you you're right. It's like, Oh, here's a blast from the past from when things were a lot better. Remember, remember this person? That was a good time. Wasn't it? Oh, he's only there for half the time though. Okay. So what's the point of him then? Why wasn't he, why isn't he in the weeds with Matt Blake on everything? If there's that much of a need for uh, Andy Pettit to be involved, why isn't he the bench coach? If there needs to be, more of a vibe check or a chemistry shift. So the name being there is cool. It's like when wasn't a rod was special advisor for a minute. And then yeah. that was, that was it. Carlos Beltran was a special advisor for a minute and that was it. Um, but yeah, I mean, if they're going to, if they're going to actually consider larger changes, they're going to need to bring in somebody with big name recognition that is in, a very integral role that could theoretically threaten somebody's job. Andy Pettit hanging around at his leisure doesn't put anybody on the hot seat. And Matt Blake, kind of the one of the only things that's working. Like, you know what? Get Andy Pettit in a room with Carlos Rodon for five hours and just do like a stare down, like dripping ceiling fan, a <laughs> one swinging lamp, and just every hour have Andy Pettit being like, what are you made of? Carlos Rodon having to answer difficult questions like, what brought you here? What exactly do you do? And Carlos Rodon really just getting the business before his next start. Because I tell you what, he needs a big one against the Mets mm-hmm. on Wednesday. The Subway Series isn't like that important, other than the fact that every game is important because the Yankees aren't very good. But that Rodon start against the Mets is a biggie against yep. Jose Quintana, who the Yankees technically could have had for way cheaper who came back from injury around the same time. Not saying, just saying Roberto Rosario saying he'd rather Adam and Thomas than the Yankees. Yes. Broadcast, man, I would rather be uh, doing this than doing the S broadcast. I think, but if you want us to get that job, tell somebody in charge and uh, the follow-up Fernando agrees, but says keep Paul O'Neill. I like that too. Uh, Let's put Paul O'Neill on the podcast. Let's get a three man booth going with Paulie. Uh, We'll take Paul. We'll take Paul involved. Um, shout out to the comment section today, which was, uh, inflamed, absolutely insane. You people just talking to yourselves, uh, around, but we thank you for joining us. This podcast is available in the audio feed as well. Again, if you didn't join us on YouTube, it's on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, 
whatever your personal podcast platform may be. Why don't you go drop us a five-star review on Apple? We'll take it. We will always take it. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't liked this video. Make sure we just get in uh, higher up and, and escalated into your feeds because we want to. We want more people getting their eyeballs on us. We want to help build this community. If you like what you hear, come join us every week, twice a week. Um, and if you uh, want to get the word out, we wouldn't mind that either. Just to make sure people know what we're trying to build over here. We promise to tell more truths than the New York Yankees about who's feeling it, who's not. I'll be honest, I'm feeling it a little bit today. I'm, I'm you know, a little tired, a little brain fog. Hopefully I'll be back on Thursday. But I kept it real with you. I didn't pretend I was feeling fantastic. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Adam Warner if you want to talk it out more. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? Yeah, hit me up. I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. Uh, come read us at yanksoyard.com. Once again, thank you guys for being in here, chatting it up, uh, engaging with us. You can do the same on the website. Plenty of content there for you. A lot of trade deadline um, content that we have going up. Uh, and we'll also be covering everything in real time. So any big Yankees news, any big Yankees rumors, we have some stuff going up tonight and tomorrow morning that pertains to a lot of the discourse uh, from Jeff Passan's column. Um, from other buzz from other teams that have interest in certain players at the deadline that could affect the Yankees picture. Please head on over there. Talk to us on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account. It's at Yanks Go Yard FS. Um, enjoy Wednesday. We'll talk to you on Thursday, um, 2 p.m. Eastern live right here. Um, and hopefully we have uh, something good to report after Wednesday's uh, uh, after this uh, subway series on Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah, exactly. We'll see everybody there.